We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bill Washes, who is who are going to be our mean guys in the first team O line? I I don't I don't know the answer to that. We, we haven't seen enough of them up to this point in time. I mean, Joe Walton has a little bit of that to him. I, I think Rocco, hopefully, when he gets more comfortable, can be that. My thing is, I think that's kind of what Billy Shrouth brings to the table. And by not having him out there, you're you're losing a little bit of that. Zeke Carell has a little bit of an attitude to him. I don't know that I would call him a mean guy. I don't know that I want a center that that's the way that way. I want a center that's got a little bit more of a of a calmer demeanor when it comes to that type of thing. But I don't know that they have that guy right now. I don't know that it's necessarily needed. I don't think you have to be mean to be physical. Uh, but I kind of get what you're saying. Like Quentin Nelson had that right. Like Quentin Nelson not wasn't just physical, but he had a little bit of a. He wanted to kind of embarrass you a little bit. I get what you're saying. Uh, I don't think they have that guy necessarily right now. Tyler Erig asks, I'm wondering if the defense winning yesterday still falls in the category of the defense should be ahead of, ahead of the offense early on, or if we are too far removed from that now. No, we're still right in the middle of that period of the defense should be ahead of the offense. But I think only chalking it up to that is, is a little bit spinish. Right, I'm, I'm going to make up a word here. There's a little you. You got to. If you're just saying it's just because of that, you're spinning it, right? The offense should not be ahead of the defense right now, but some of the things we saw last night are not that. It's you got to compete better for the ball. You've got to be locked in more mentally. You've got to be. You know, those are the things where if the defense is beating you because they're a little bit, you know, there's more. Why should this defense this year be ahead of the offense? Number one, just in general, defense tends to be ahead of the offense there's less timing involved to get the offense going you know defensive linemen work together but not in the same way that offensive linemen do you know quarterback receiver timing is a little bit different now there's just a lot of things that you're you're installing new stuff from the past game you just tend to be you know it just takes a little bit longer to get the offense on this on the same page the way that it does the defense especially when you do have a lot of new faces and and so but I'm not making excuses because I don't think that's why we saw the defense dominate the way they did last night. Number one, I thought the defense played really well last night for the most part. The offense had their fair share of wins, especially early. It just was a 
a sloppy practice. They just made mistakes they shouldn't have made. There was some like camp arm stuff and camp leg stuff and all that, but just some of the stuff is just like, man, you got to make that play, right? There's no, oh, defense is ahead, so it's okay to drop that ball. Defense is ahead, so it's okay to not, you know, uh, execute that block correctly. Oh, defense is ahead, so it's it's okay to do this. Eh, there was some of that, but there was also some plays where it's just like, dude, you got to make that play. There, there's no, oh, it's only practice 12 excuses. It's like, it's only practice 12, so I'm not losing my mind over it, but I'm not sitting in the film room if I'm the receiver's coach and saying, yeah, it's all practice 12, don't worry about it. Like, bro, you're a junior now. Like, you got to make that play, you know, or, hey, we're expecting you to be a, a guy for us this year. I need you to start making this play. So it's a little bit of both. It's it. It's not as simple as saying, it's oh, the defense should be ahead. Yeah, they should be ahead, but the offense still should have played better than they did last night, in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With the Aztec package, is there a chance Golden could replace a double safety blitz with a triple safety blitz asking in case I need to get a fire extinguisher ready for the board? Yeah, I doubt that we'll see that. But yeah, you never know. You never know. I just love how, you know, you, you drop this you know, kind of auspicious term in a story. And now all of a sudden, a lot of people want to talk about the Aztec package and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's well played. I mean, it, look, they were going to have sort of three safeties on the field no matter what. That's what Thomas Harper was brought here to do. Uh, the Aztec package is something different, and I don't believe we saw that last night based on who they said the personnel is going to be for that. Irish Blooded asked, did watching practice at a high school excite you for some Friday night lights? You know, I'm not a big I'm not a big high school football guy uh, anymore. I used to be. Uh, but honestly, Friday and Saturday mornings tend to be like the only time I get off to just relax from busy weeks. You know, we do the post-game shows on Saturday. We do the Upon Further Review Sunday night. We do shows every day, Monday to Friday. And Friday night's just kind of that, you know, I just want to relax. And then half the time I'm traveling to a game, so I can't watch it anyway. But uh, I'll say this, though, to your question. It did kind of make me – 
I did have a little bit of an urge to say, you know, maybe I should go to some high school football games this year. I'm not going to lie. I did. And just kind of sitting up in the stands thinking about that. But uh, yeah, it's football. high school football is right around the corner. I believe it starts in two weeks as well. I think some may be starting a week. I'm not sure. I have to ask Vince. Oh yeah. No, next Friday, Vince was telling me that they start that his, uh, his son just won the starting uh, PAT field goal and kickoff job for Penn high school. So Vince's son won those jobs and he's also on the soccer uh, varsity soccer team. But um, so he wants me to go to the first game with him. We may do that next Friday. We'll see. But yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Kind of looking forward to that. Charlie Weiss's last belt with a super chat. Thank you, Charlie. I'm confident Notre Dame is going to be great. If the offense is dominating every practice or vice versa, the defense that I'm concerned, this is two great groups getting wins over each other at times. Love Notre Dame. I mean, I think, I think the defense definitely got more of the wins last night. That's for sure. That's for certain. But yeah, I, like you said, I mean, if, if the offense would have had a great night last night, the conversations on the board would not have been, oh man, this offense is going to be so good. I'm so excited about the, the offense. The offense, it would have been, this is why Al Golden should have been fired. This is why Al Washington should have been fired. This is why the linebackers suck and this guy sucks. And this is why they're going to be bad. That's just the nature of it. I've been doing this over a decade and it it literally does not matter what side of the ball wins. The, the the strongest reactions after a practice report where one side was clearly better is always to be is to fret the side that didn't play as well. Just the nature of it. And I expected it. Some of it was just like, oh, God, you know, okay, whatever. But, you know, some of it was – and some of it's understandable. I mean, you know, I mean, especially when it's the offense because if it was the defense, maybe you could have said, if you're a little bit rational, you could have said, well, you know, we, we know this defense is, is pretty good. We saw it last year and most guys come back. And, you know, a little concerning this early to see the offense dominating. But, man, that gets me fired up about the offense. You saw a little bit about that last night, but a lot of it was just some of the hand wringing. But you're always going to get that, Charlie. I mean, that's just that's just the nature of fandom, right? It's a it's, there's a passion involved, and some people ride that emotional roller coaster more than the others, and it is what it is. But um, that's just the nature of the season. We're just all we need games to start. That's the big thing because that's when we're going to really know, right, Charlie? Is you know, is, is it the offense just had a bad night? Is the offense concern? Is it con- is a concerning group? Are the receivers just getting out and played by a really good corner group? Are they just not going to be that good? There's all these questions that I think are, f- to a degree, fair. Because when a side of the ball was a question mark for you going in, and then they're not playing great in the limited practice availability, there's going to be assumptions that it's happening more often, and then you get concerned. And I think that's fair. You you just kind of have to hope that maybe in the next few practices the offense starts making a few more plays and start having more success like we saw late in the spring. Because uh, remember the defense was do- the dominant group early in the spring as well. We had the same conversation, and then the last the last spring the last week of spring that that entered that scrimmage that they had the offense won the the big scrimmage and then of course. Uh, the offense for the white team uh, really thrived and dominated in the the spring game. So um, you, you hopefully we'll start seeing that here soon as well. James O'Reilly with Super Chat. Thank you, James. Coach, in your opinion, is it better for a team to smash an inferior opponent the first week or struggle out of the gate a little bit so they um, learn early that there's no easy weeks? Thanks, go Irish. I, I think – James, I don't think that there's a right or a wrong answer here. I think it's kind of personal preference. Mine has always been, I want to come out clicking for a couple reasons. Number one, it's a confidence builder, obviously. Number two, I think getting some 
young guys early playing time helps keep them engaged right when you get into week four and five and your young guys haven't got on the field yet because you've been in a bunch of close games they can kind of lose a little bit of focus some of your depth can lose a little bit of focus you can start having some doubts or okay are we really that good we're kind of sneaking through with some of these type of things i'm a big believer that you know momentum to me i've said this before momentum is nothing but confidence right and confidence breeds better play, better execution, all those type of things, which then breeds momentum. It's a byproduct of confidence is a better way of saying it. And so you want to come out and get that going early. You, you want to, if there's any doubts about your team, you want them to come, you want them to get sort of erased early. And then also in this era of social media, because college football players for some reason refuse to avoid social media as a whole, some do, but they just, I would tell them all, man, like just, get off social media, like talk to people in person, you know, do that kind of stuff. Just avoid social media during your season. Because if you come out struggling and then the, the social media toxicity ramps up, if the, God forbid the offense doesn't like the world on fire the first two weeks, you're just, I can already see it now. I mean, it's already starting to happen now because they didn't have a great practice. Imagine if they don't have a great first couple games and they don't score 50 in the first two games. You're, you're going to see that, and, and that affects players to me now, uh, in my opinion now, more than it used to because it, it's just in front of their face, and then they maybe start pressing or whatever. We've seen Notre Dame players in recent years, not so much under Marcus Freeman, but under Brian Kelly, where they would start kind of getting into it a little bit about certain things. And I just – and I know that some of these kids are impacted by it. And so the faster you can just kind of silence that stuff, I think the better for your football team from a ment- mentally mental, mental standpoint – but then also just kind of get clicking earlier, build that confidence and start building some momentum. I think that's a, a very important thing for me, in my opinion, early in the season. Conrad asked, thoughts on Andrew Christophic falling out of starting lineup completely? Would have thought he would have been a lock on one of the guard spots. Yeah, Conrad, we've been talking about this all, all summer, really, ever since the end of spring, how you know Rocco Spindler was going to absolutely have a chance to push Andrew Christophic for starting job. So that's not, that's not overly surprising. Again, we're still 12 practices in. I don't think anybody at guard's spots are locked up right now. I think it's very clear that so far, my opinion is that Rocco has been the better guard, but I don't think that means he, if he doesn't continue doing what he's been doing, that he'll still keep that job. You know, if Andrew starts playing better, maybe he wins it back, but I'm not surprised that, that I'm a, I may be surprised that Rocco was kind of the, the, I mean, Rocco took, I think the first practice we saw, we saw Andrew Christophic at right guard. And I don't know that we've seen him there since the first couple of days. So Rocco's clearly won that job, but that's what we wanted to see. We wanted to see kind of Rocco seize hold that if he was going to be the starting job. Now we need to see what's going to happen on left guard. Question from David Carpenter. Every other Notre Dame football channel is giving injury reports. I thought that was taboo. Are they just breaking taboos or did something change? So apparently I learned this this morning. Apparently now they're, we're allowed to talk about injuries. Uh, we're allowed to report on what we saw. Um, I'll keep my opinion on that to myself because it doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't change anything anyway. So I, all I'm going to say is that ours breakdown, we will mention these things to a degree. So-and-so got a little dinged up. We're not going to try to to say, hey, this looked bad or we think this might have happened because we're not doctors. We don't know. We'll try to find the intel and we'll report it. I don't know what other people are reporting. I don't read other people's reports. I do know that people are talking about injuries. So I reached out to some of their names saying, hey, are we allowed to do this now because – I want to make sure that we're not just, you know, getting left behind. I want to make sure that if we're allowed to do this, I want to make sure my team knows so we can talk about this. And they said that we're allowed to report on what we saw. So we, we clearly missed the memo. Um, that's on, that's on me. Uh, but yeah, apparently we can talk about injuries now if we see them in practice. Uh, 
Um, so no, no one's breaking any taboos. That's the new rule now. I thought they were at first, but they're not. Uh, Pete Weber says, is that a new hat available in the store? No, it is not. This is what's well, available in the store at Irish, at Notre Dame. So if you want to get this hat, and it's a really sweet hat. I love the fit. It's got kind of like a trucker hat. It's got a really loose fit, and it's also low-fitting. I like hats that are low-fitting. I got a big head, in case y'all haven't noticed that. And I don't mean attitude ego-wise. I mean, literally, I have a big head. And so it's hard for me to find hats that ride low. And this hat rides low, but it also fits. Cause if you ever notice, like on the Irish breakdown hat that I wear, it, it, it rides low because I had to get a bigger hat, but it's like really loose right here. And so it doesn't to me look as great, but this one is rides low and it fits really nicely. And I'm trying to find an Irish breakdown hat like this as well. I do not have one, but this is, as you'll see here, this is a Notre Dame hat, not an IB hat. And so if you want to uh, buy this, I, I don't know that it's on the Notre Dame bookstore website. I'd have to go to that. And I, and I have not gone to that, but um, I could actually maybe do that while we're talking here at some point in time and see if they have this hat on there. But uh, yeah, this is something that uh, if you like the hat, which I do, I would tell you to go uh, to the bookstore. I'm actually looking right now online to see if they have this hat online. I bought two hats. I also bought a hat with a, a little leprechaun dude on it but I'm seeing if they have this hat in the online store. Cause if they do, I can go ahead and throw this into the, into the chat and people can, uh, if you like it and you want to go buy it, feel free to do so. Or if you're going to come to a game, you could also get it there. Cause I don't know what it is. I just kind of like, if I'm going to ever buy Notre Dame gear, I kind of like getting it while I'm at the bookstore. I don't know why it's just kind of dorky thing. I get that, but I just, I don't know. It makes me feel like it's football season. You know, because I only ever do it like during football season. I kind of go there. We bought the shirts, you know, the seat shirts for the season and that kind of stuff. And then I, uh, I, I've in the past, I've I said this the other day. I've not really liked Notre Dame's hat selections in the past, but I really liked their hat selections uh, this time. I'm I'm on page three of the bookstore and I still haven't seen this particular hat. So I don't know if it's on the bookstore website. You may have to just go in, go in there personally and and get it. So let's see here. I think this is the last page. I do do not see it. So I do not see this on the bookstore website, but it is in the store and it's a really nice hat, a very comfortable hat. So yeah, check it out. Andre Tonsil says, should we be worried about our passing offense? No, I mean, Andre, Andre, honestly, right now, unless there's some really bad injuries, there's nothing you should be worried about after practice 12, in my opinion. I mean, no, there's not. At this point, it's it's way it's way too soon. It's way too soon for that, in my opinion. You're at least a week away from at the point where you, there should be worry, barring injuries. Like if you were missing like three or four guys that already gone down with like injuries, are going to keep them out for the first two months of the season. I'd get worried then. But outside of that, it's way too early to be worried about anything. I mean, look, part of the job is, you know, some people is like you got to report on it, right? You got to report on stuff. And you can't really control how people are going to take it. Some people like to hype up things to kind of get people stirred up because it creates engagement and clicks and all that. But I think most of it's just, well, you report it and people are going to take it one way or the other. I mean, and get that. That's part of it. Cause we're all just kind of like chomping at the bit for more information and we're just excited to get to the season. I get all that. I'm just saying, take the practice as it is. It's just not time to get concerned yet. If we keep seeing this over the next week to week and a half, 
then you start getting a little bit concerned. But as of right now, it's just the defense had a really good night and the offense didn't. Uh, to me, it, it is right now that simple. Sean Kelly, you're not going to call up, bring up Sean Kelly's? I, I like that one, Ryan. I'm bringing it up. We miss Ryan. So, yeah, Ryan's uh, Ryan and I had a conversation today. And so uh, starting probably maybe next week, but definitely game week, Ryan will be back on shows more. So uh, hopefully he'll be uh, – He'll be in a better place to do that now after taking care of his of his newborn and just getting caught up on recruiting and all that kind of stuff. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting right back on there too. So thought to show a little bit of love to uh to Mr. Roberts. So there we go. You ready for the next one there, Ryan? Here we go. Sean Higgins, stock up or down on the same uh, or the same on this team based off what you've seen heard thus far. It's the same. Like honestly, guys, if it would have been the world, the greatest practice I ever saw, it, it it's the same. I've seen a lot of things confirmed that we thought a lot of things that I expected. I, I honestly, I did not expect the offense to dominate last night. I did not. It was just, you want to see them play better, but it's way too early, man. I, I could sit here and I could kind of give you some like really emotional reaction and, and it'd probably draw a lot of engagement and it would get shared and people would watch it, but it just would be disingenuous for me. I'm not, this is not a shot at anybody else. I'm just saying for me, just because for me, it's like practice 12. I, look, it, And again, it'd be one thing if I was contradicting myself. If I'd have said during the summer, by week, by the middle of camp, you know exactly who you are. But remember what I said before camp. Early in camp, you think you're great. About middle of camp, first two weeks of camp, second week of camp, you think you're terrible, right? And, and I'm looking at this from an offensive standpoint more than anything else. And then by the end of camp, you found out who you are. We're in that period, especially for offense, where it's like you're heavy-legged, you know, you, you got the camp arm, all that kind of stuff, where it's just you can, you're going to see days like this. You don't like it as a coach, but you understand it, and you just coach through it and you work on What you can't do as a coach in a situation like this is overreact to a bad practice. Where, where I would be worried, here, here's what I'll say to you, Sean, where I would have been worried is if what we saw last night from the offense was a lack of competing you know, just getting their butts kicked, hanging their heads, not trying hard, having bad attitudes, moping, things like that. If we'd have seen that last night, I'd have said, I'm concerned. This, I don't know if this offense has the mentality that they need to be a really good group. Or We didn't see that. I saw camp stuff, and I saw defense playing really well and an offense that looked sloppy. Got to clean it up. Uh, but it wasn't anything to for me that is going to sway me one way or the other. If this would have happened maybe a week from now, Maybe, maybe then I would start getting a little bit more concerned. Got one from Matt to 11 GT asks, uh, I'm sure you'll get to it before the end of this read, but, uh, what, but do you make of, what do you make of the O-line situation? Yeah, Matt, I talked a little bit about that. Uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how to, what to make of it right now. I, I'm uh, concerned about it. If this is the direction that they're going, that concerns me about it. It, it really does. It does. I, but I don't want to get I don't want to get too reactionary to it because I want to see more of Pat Coogan. I want to see kind of where we are a week from now and, and get a better sense for it at that time. Pete Weber says, join the board, y'all. It's such a low cost for consistent, thorough, and well-written news. Thank you for that, Pete. And Pete has signed up recently. So I appreciate that. I like those tutorials, right? I appreciate that. Sensei X says, Does Tobias look good out there? I'm super excited about him and this team. Thank you. He looks good. He doesn't look great yet. He looks good. He's just, you know, like I said, he'll get open. He's smooth. He's athletic. 
He's long. He's got to get stronger, and he's got to start winning on some of the more contested throws. That's where Tobias has got to get better. But, yeah, he looks good. He looks good. He's got a lot of work to do, as all the receivers do right now, and in a lot of other positions, but he, he looks good. He's fine. Jason Smith says, what does ha- uh, what does have uh, having such a good, uncommon, preferred walk-on class say about this team's depth? Are there guys on scholarship that aren't as talented as some of the preferred walk-ons? I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say that they're not as talented. I would say more so I'd look at it this way, Jason. Some of those walk-ons are as talented as some of the scholarship players. Jordan Faison is that way. Um, He's a guy that if he wanted to play football, he could help this football team down the road. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Luke Talich is as talented as the other freshman safeties. He's a little bit more raw, a little bit more gangly, still learning certain things, but he's very talented. I've said this about Trey Reader, linebacker. Trey Reader is very talented. He's just small. He's not big enough to be a probably a Notre Dame linebacker, but he moves really well. There's a lot of guys like that, and, and it's a really impressive walk-on class. To say it the way that you said it, I, I, I'm i not saying you, you mean it this way, Jason. It just to me, it kind of comes across as almost like a a bringing down of the, of the scholarship players, and I, I don't think you mean it that way. So this is a really talented walk-on group. And what does it say about the team's depth? I mean, this is why you do walk-ons. I, I think I shared this recently, but I remember talking to Mike Elson early in his tenure at Notre Dame when he was still the recruiting coordinator. And he said, you know, at Cincinnati, we can go out and get a bunch of in-state kids that were really good football players, get them to turn down MAC offers, 1AA offers to come here as walk-ons because in-state tuition was really low. And, you know, it would really help us have a great, great walk-on situation. And, they used some of those guys on special teams, and it was it was great for depth and practice and all that. Well, at Notre Dame, that's a little harder to do because if you're a walk on at Notre Dame, you're paying what seventy was it like seventy thousand dollars now a year to go to school here. That very much limits your walk on pool that you can choose from. Plus, you can't get walk on players on campus. I mean, on with help, they've got to get into school on their own, and that's just a little bit harder to do uh, at a place like Notre Dame. So. Uh, that's kind of the things that factor into uh, why it can be challenging, which also makes it even more impressive that they're able to go out and do what they've been able to do uh, really the last two years from a walk-on standpoint. Larry Friedel says, will uh, Zach Yoakum still do kickoffs? We haven't seen him do any kickoffs yet, Larry, so I, I can't comment on that. I would assume so because he did a pretty solid job of it last year, but that's just a guess. We haven't seen him do any kickoffs so far. Saints for Irish asks, any thoughts on the vibe of the team gelling as a unit? When they get chippy with each other, does it linger as a negative? No, I mean, honestly, you see that every camp. I mean, that's that's part of camp. Every football team I've played on, every football team I've coached on, that's true of, of all of them. Teams that had good chemistry, that would happen in camp. Teams that had bad chemistry, that would happen in camp. I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a factor now. If guys don't handle certain things well, could it create that? If you get to like a real fight, that yeah, certainly that could happen. But uh, just that chippiness in, in practice, it's kind of like you, you just see the same faces every day and, and you see the same jersey every day and you're just hitting the same thing every day. And it's the same drill and it's the same plays and it's the same this and the same that. And it just kind of is like it just can kind of wear on you and, and you're battling and you're just finding – just it's just part of camp it really happens all the time as long as it doesn't cross lines and nothing i saw last night came anywhere close that i liked what i saw last night i we were enjoying that you know and and because it's it's going to teach you something right like if you're joe rudolph 
and the defensive line's just constantly talking trash your offensive linemen, and they don't handle it well. That tells you something about who your offensive line is, you know, from a mental standpoint, a mental toughness standpoint. Is this a group that's that's got the mental toughness to sustain, you know, playing at a high level? If they're going to let our own defensive line get in their heads, are you going to say, hey, look, Ohio State, please, guys, don't talk trash to us. It's not nice, and my guys don't handle it really well. No, you've got to you've got to do that. So I'd much rather them learn how to deal with Jason Onye constantly yapping at them and Riley Mills and Gabriel Rubio and those guys constantly yapping at them. Hey, you know what? You don't want them to talk trash to you. Do something about it. And I don't mean fight, dirty play. I mean, go kick their butt in, on, on the next rep. Go beat their butts on the next play. Go open up a, a, a run lane for your running backs to go through for a 50-yard touchdown on the next play. That'll shut them up to a degree. Or if they're still talking their t- trash, now they look stupid because you just, you're ripping them up. And, and that's what you want to see. You want to see, you know, I want my receivers getting talk, trash talk to them. I, I want to know, especially if, if they're not having some success. I, if, if you beat me at the line, or if you beat one of my receivers at the line, I want you to run your mouth right at them. Because I want to see how my guy's going to respond. I want to see what kind of mental toughness he has. Does he get mad and go out there the next time and do even worse because he's mad and emotional? Or does he kind of get mad in the way you want a guy to get mad and be like, okay. All right, I'm writing you down on the list. And then the next time he goes out there and does what he needs to do, whoops you. And then I want to see him, you know, how he responds to that. So uh, I, I like that stuff. And I think you learn a lot about your players as a position coach from how they handle those type of things. And and that's that's exactly what we saw last night. I, I liked what I saw last night. Fred Benson asks, is Freeman's deep way better than Charlie Weiss's nasties of 2005 and six as the players talking trash at practice? Fred, I can't comment on that because I didn't cover the team in 05 and 06. So I, I I really don't know. I know that the defense is better than the 05, 06 defenses, but I, I can't speak on that. I My first season covering the team was 2010. That's that's what that one was. J.P. Buellsfeld asks, if you were the Notre Dame athletic director, who would you try and schedule in 2024 with last-minute Miami cancellation? home game or shamrock game and possible opponents. So let me just pull up the Notre Dame 2024 football schedule one more time. And as of right now, Notre Dame has 11 games. They play uh, Northern Illinois, Miami of Ohio, Louisville, Stanford, Florida State, and Virginia at home. And then they have a neutral site game, which is technically road game against Navy, USC, Georgia Tech, Purdue, and Texas A&M. So you've got one, two, three, four five ACC games. I would want to do a home game personally. I know that Notre Dame might look at that as a shamrock series opportunity. Not sure if they will or won't. I wouldn't. I would try to schedule a home game, honestly, and I would try to schedule a good opponent, to be honest with you. One of my concerns about next year's schedule is when I look at it, A&M could be decent. Northern Illinois, no. Purdue, probably not. Miami of Ohio, no. Louisville, they're going to be solid. Purdue's probably going to – or Stanford's gonna probably not be good. Georgia Tech's probably not going to be that great. Navy's not that great. Virginia's in a bad situation. you got Florida State and USC. You're in a situation now where the, unless A&M's just way better than you think or a, a Virginia, a Louisville, somebody like that's way better than you think, you're looking at a situation where – you kind of, you know, 
you're going to have a, a some not as good resume builds next year. So when I look at the schedule, I would look into finding an opportunity in in November, probably between Virginia and USC uh, to maybe get a home game there, or you could do it a couple weeks earlier between Navy and Florida State. Um, I don't know that I would want to do it between Louisville and Stanford because now you're talking about not having a bye week until November 2nd, which is kind of close to where you are now. I don't know how much I love that, although the schedule could handle it. But, you know, maybe that October 5th period, you could look at, at between Louisville and Stanford at home. You could look at maybe scheduling a home game then. And uh, I'd get a, I'd want to get a better opponent. I would try to get somebody good. I would try to get you know, not like Alabama or Georgia, but I would try to get somebody that you look at and say, but that, that's a game that's going to gonna help us out. It's going to help us, you know, build our resume. Who that would be, I'm not quite sure who that would be. I just know the quality of the opponent. And the reason I, I, I don't know who that would be is, is, JP, is next year's schedules are, in a lot of instances, kind of full. And it may be harder to get that kind of schedule, that kind of opponent, because of how full this, a lot of, a lot of people already have their 12 games figured out. And, but you're also having a lot of situations where there's going to be some fluctuation in, in, with some of the teams because of the conferences basically breaking up. So I'd want to know, like, are there some are there some of those Pac-12 teams that are pretty good that maybe might be looking for a non-conference or something like that now? I, I don't know the answer to that. So I'd have to really study that. But I'll say this. I'd want a better opponent. I'm not saying a national title contender per se depending on who that would be, but you want to get a good opponent. So you have a resume builder. That's something that I would, I'd be looking for next year for sure. Matthew Wyrick is the offense struggling because of receivers not getting open, or is it because we don't have creative pass concepts Is our defense that much better than our offense? I'd say the first one, it's, it's not, not really the first two are not really issues. Again, what, what I would encourage you to do, Matthew, and I, and I know this is hard. I get it. And I'm not saying that sarcastically at all. Don't overreact to a practice. A practice doesn't mean the receivers can't get open. It doesn't mean that the pass concepts aren't good. Because here's the other thing. You're not going to last night's practice game planning like you would in a game. We're trying to work on something. There are aspects of the offense we want to work on today. And so if you're not having success, okay, that's part of the the working out process. Okay, why are we not having success with these concepts? And then you say, okay, we're not, we're not, our route depth isn't good. This is that period of time where you're working on those things. We like this concept on paper. It's not working. Our defense is shutting it down. Why? Well, maybe this is not a great look against that coverage. Uh, maybe it's not, uh, uh, maybe we're not breaking our routes off at the right depth. Maybe we like the concept at this depth with the route, but we think we need to extend it a couple more yards to get more timing or maybe shorten it a little bit, maybe tag it backside a little bit different because it's not great against this coverage. There's a lot of a lot of that going on right now. The offensive coaches did not sit down yesterday and say, how can we script practice for maximum success so we look good in front of the media so that they'll write nice things about us? It was, this is our plan. This is where we expect to be. This is what we're working on within the framework of what the defense is or what the, the practice schedule is. And so when it's not happening, you, you, don't, you don't overreact to it. Is the defense that much better than our offense? It was yesterday. And that's literally all there is to it for right now. I don't know if the offense dominated the day before. Neither do you. Neither does anybody else, except for the two people that are part of that program. 
I don't know if the offense is going to dominate tomorrow because we're not going to be there. And so that's why I say just I wouldn't overreact to it too much. If we're still seeing some of the stuff a week and a half to a week, week and a half from now, then we can get a little bit concerned. But, yes, this defense is ahead of the offense, and this defense is pretty good. Omar Austin asks, at the halfway point, does it look like the D-line will be stronger and deeper up the middle of the season? Absolutely, Omar. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I've been most encouraged by, not just last night, but the reason I'm so encouraged by what I saw last night is because we've been seeing little glimpses of this in practice. You know, just from a, boy, they look athletic. They look bigger. They're moving well. You know, some of the one-on-ones we've seen, they've, they've done some really nice things. And then to see him do it for a whole practice like that, you start feeling really good about, okay, this is a, a, an answer that a question that was answered to a degree. And, and you start, you start liking that. Got one from Pete Weber. Did any of the IB staff get any checks from Elon and X now that they're working to monetize accounts? Uh, none of us, I don't believe Ryan has not paid for that Twitter stuff. I'm not, have no intention. I, look, I have no issue with Elon Musk. I mean, it, I, I understand what he's trying to do and it's his business. He can run it the way he wants and it is what it is. I'm, I'm good with it, but I'm just not going to, I'm not going to pay for it. Cause it's just not, it's not something that I'm right now concerned about trying to utilize from a standpoint of monetizing. I just, I've looked at the rates for it and it would re- require a level of engagement that I just have no interest in doing on Twitter. I mean, cause like basically the way it works is you've got to create engagement. You've put tweet, you got to tweet all the time. You've got to do things that create a lot of responses to what you say. And most of that is, let's just say not exactly healthy dialogue, right? Most of it is not like I had a, a back and forth last week with a guy that works at CBS sports that Ryan knows. And we disagreed, but it was a really good back and forth. You know, he didn't get personal. I didn't get personal and call names. Just we had our conversation. That is such a rare thing on Twitter that it's just like, I don't really want to be a part of that. I tweet my stories. I'll respond to, to rational people. And sometimes I'll get into it with people, especially other fan bases, just because I'm bored. But I just, I really don't have a lot of interest in in uh, in that avenue right now. Maybe that changes down the road if we're looking to, if we're rocking and rolling, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I'm just not, uh, it's just not something we're really concerned about. And and plus, I'm not, like, I think I figured it out. Like, in if you look at my current engagement, I would basically make back what I would pay to have a membership. <laughs> it's just not worth it to me. And then it's also not worth it to me to then ramp up my engagement. Cause I would much rather, much rather have that be on the message board. I, I would much rather engage with people on the message board uh, than Twitter. And so that's where we have our engagement and that's where I like to have my engagement. And then, by the way, Ryan's up that uh, then they're going like this, big thumbs down. He is very much against the uh, the whole monetization, the whole uh, paying for premium thing on Twitter, which I understand. For me, it's different. I'm just a little bit older, and so I just I I, I just don't view social media the same way. And so I'm just I'm a little bit more apathetic to it. But I I get it. Uh, no, it's Twitter. You can put all the X's on it you want. It's Twitter. Angelo DiDio said, I've heard that Blake Fisher is down to 310 pounds these days. Is he attempting to play too light in your opinion? Is Riley Mills tossing him around perhaps indicative of this in your opinion? No, like if you go back and watch that play, that was an impressive play by Riley Mills, but that was also partly bad technique by Blake Fisher. He was a little bit out ahead of himself and it made it easier to toss him to the ground. Um, 
no, I just, that was a great highlight for Riley. It's not something I would necessarily react to, but as far as the, him being tossed around thing, look, 310 pounds is still pretty big. 310 pounds is still not just something you toss around with ease. Do I, am I concerned, however, that Blake at 310 may not be as mo- powerful as he was as a bigger guy? That's a concern of mine. I haven't seen anything to support that or, or deny that because I just I haven't seen a ton of Blake so far. And the offense was always going this way last night from my angle, which meant Blake was always on the far side, which is just a little harder to see him as often as, as you can. So, But now he had a good night in pass pro. I didn't see him getting tossed around as much, but I also didn't see him necessarily – really blowing people up either. So it, it's a concern of mine, but but no, it's it's not something that's going to result in him getting chucked around because 310 pounds is still 310 pounds, and that's a lot of weight. Neil Walker, if you could accelerate the developmental curve, development curve of any one player on the team, who would you pick and why? That is a very good question. I'm going to go on one guy on both sides of the ball. And I'm curious, Ryan, uh, if you give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down, if my pick would be your pick. I'm very curious what you think about this. My pick on offense would be Charles Jagasaw. If I could develop, if I could speed up the development process for anybody, it would be Charles Jagasaw. Or you could also go with Billy Shrouth. One of those two guys can maybe develop a guard because I would love to see a fully developed Charles Jagasaw with a fully developed Blake Fisher and Joe Alt and Zingarell. That would be one heck of a line. I mean, you could kind of go with the receiver maybe, but I think those guys are are going to be fine. You could maybe say, like, I'd love to see a fully developed Tobias Merriweather, but I just think the line would be where I would go on that one. Defensively, that is a good one. Oh, man. Defensively, I would probably go with... Uh, man, that's a tough because uh, like I'm having all types of names flash in front of my head. Tyson Ford flashes in my head. Brennan Vernon flashes in my head because I would really want to get a, a, one of those guys to really step up as a big end as part of this rotation is be ready to go. You know, part of me starts thinking about Josh Burnham fully engaged you know, or fully developed. Bubakar fully developed. So it'd be probably one of those young guys. But Tyson Ford or Bren, Brennan Vernon are the two that pop in my head the most just because it's probably the biggest position of need at those two positions. So that's, that's where I would go. Like, you know, you won't say, well, Kenny Minchie, but you don't really need him to be that right now. I, I, but I will say this, if at any point in time this season, Sam Hartman goes down and knock on wood, that doesn't happen. My answer changes immediately to Kenny Minchie. <laughs> so uh, just keep that in mind as, as well. Next question is from Irish blooded other than quarterback. Who is just fun to watch play, not just watch or check on tape? I mean, I, I enjoy watching. It's kind of similar to the answer that, that I gave you last week when you asked it in a little bit different way, Irish-blooded. And for me, it's just kind of – I like watching line play. I do. I just It's just fun to watch. Like, it's just – that's the physical part of the game. I, I just I, – I think the thing I like about line play is it's not just like sumo wrestling, right? Just two big guys trying to push each other around. It's just, that's it, but there's a timing to it. There's a technique to it. There's like a dance to it, you know, that just you really appreciate when you know the game, right? And and you and I just, I don't know. I just, I really enjoy trench play on the football field. So it's just and fun to watch. I mean, you can say receivers and all that, and that's fun. I mean, 
every part of football is fun to watch, right? But if you were like, hey, you know, you just you can only get access to this or this, what would you rather have access to? I'd say I'd much rather have access to what's going on in the offensive line and defensive line. That's that's where I would be. Sam Tyrell says, Brian, what uh, with what you saw yesterday, will the base defense have four down linemen? Yes. Uh, read a few articles in the spring that Freeman was thinking about using three-man fronts. No, Freeman is – they're going to – first of all, Freeman is a three-down guy, and Al Golden has used that in the past. They used it last year. They will use it again this year. They will use three-down fronts, but the base defense is going to be four-down. But Coach Freeman has said in the past many times – they're going to be multiple. That means multiple coverages, multiple pre-snap looks, multiple personnel groupings, all that stuff. And part of that will be a three-down defense that they will use in certain situations. So that'll be part of what they do. But you asked about the base defense, Sam. And in the base defense, I see Notre Dame being a four-down team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, says, who's the most pleasant surprise in the defensive backfield this camp fall and fall this fall camp so far? I'm gonna say a Don Schuler. That's who I'm gonna say because we just didn't get a chance to see him in the spring. And I'd never seen a Don in person. I know uh Ryan saw him at the Army All-American game. I've never seen a Don in person. And I was, I've just been impressed with how fluid he is and how, how easy he is. That's probably the second, like Christian Gray being great. Doesn't shock me. We Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart and Xavier Watts, Ramon. I mean, you know, we know who those guys are. So getting a chance to see a Don Schuler run around and, and look really good. I, I like a Don. I think he's a good football player. And I think he's got a chance to be a, a good football player at Notre Dame. If he just continues, continues to work at it. So yeah, we'll see. Reed sat away. Not sure if you mentioned it or not, Brian, but did you watch Antonio Carter much? Just wondering how he's fitting in and progressing. I saw him a little bit downhill guy right now. Still, still trying to find his way, to be honest with you. Still trying to find his way as far as comfort playing that position. Because again, he's not just learning a new defense, but he's also learning a new position. And he looks like a guy that's, you know, pretty good athlete, physical kid that's still learning a new defense at a new position. And that's what he looks like. But you know, he, he, he moves well. He'll get there. He'll get there. Jason, uh, Josh Buffo also asks, uh, does Maris look like he's more comfortable, more controlled this camp, not just running with his hair on fire? Does he seem more comfortable in the defense? Well, look, he's always going to look like that in practice. I mean, practice is way more structured. If, you, if you're running around like that in practice, you're in trouble. Maris has always been a guy that looked good in practice. And it's it's can you play that way on Saturday when, when you don't necessarily – have the same level of structure to a game as you have in practice. So uh, does he seem more comfortable in the defense? That also is something I can't really tell you because I didn't see him in practice last fall. I've seen him in practice in the past. Uh, So as far as comfort level in the defense, I mean, I'm assuming he does, but I'll say it to you like this, Josh, and this is what I think you're getting at. At least in practice, Mayor so far has been pretty disciplined in what he's doing. He gets in a little bit of trouble in the past game, 
but in the run game, especially as a blitzer, he's he's been good so far from what we've seen. Jason Smith asks, uh, if there's an issue, say, with linebackers having an issue with route recognition, other times where the linebacker coach has the receiver or running back coach come over and help them uh, help with things like keys on certain routes. I mean, you, that's more off-season stuff, Jason. Like, I like where your head's at. Like, I like where your head's at. But that's more of an off-season thing. And that's something coaches will do. Like, hey, uh, remember we heard about this last year with Coach Eastan and Al Washington, where Al Washington would kind of have Coach Eastan talk to his defensive linemen about things that that they do that can help them in, in taking on offensive linemen. I think that's the kind of stuff that's very important. I love crossover work, you know, where, you know, Coach Mickens and Coach Stuck, you get together and be like, you know, hey, you know, your guys are doing this. What are tells that we may have or – you know, what are things that give you guys problems when it comes to releases? What are things that can impact you in this regard, that regard? But that stuff has to happen in the offseason. Like, you don't just say, okay, well, we just got our butts kicked for two weeks in camp. Maybe I should go talk to the corners coach and find out what's going on. And in your instance, you know, linebackers and, and those type of things. That's definitely something you do. It's just more of an offseason thing. You'll do it more in the off. Now, there may be times where, like, you, you and the position coach will chat about things for sure. But it's not going to be a situation where he's going to come over and work with your guys. It's just not really something that you do in the middle of fall camp. It, it may be something where two coaches talk about it. Like, hey, man, you guys are jumping this route easily. Are we giving something away if you're the offensive coach? Or, man, you guys are killing us with this route. Like, you know, what could we do that would give you problems? Okay, if you guys were doing this, we'd have some problems with it. Like, that would be it. But, like, honestly, if you're a running backs coach, you know, you don't want your guys to have keys. You don't want your guys to have giveaways. You don't want them to have tells. And and you know, and, and and honestly, defensive coaches like like if you're if you play defense, if you're a linebacker, you know what the tells are. You just got to react to them quick enough. And you just got to you got to I shouldn't say you know. You can find out what the tells are and just react to them better. I think that's the big that's the big uh the big thing that I'm looking for in those instances. Omar Austin says, should this starting guard shuffle be done soon? Has Coogan exceeded your commit ranking yet? How far is Shrouth away in your opinion? I mean, I I can't say that I think Shrouth is away. I would have Shrouth with my first team based on what I saw yesterday. Again, it was just one practice based on what I say yesterday, and then we had one other practice that we were at that uh, I just thought he was the more impressive player. So to me, I I mean – has Coogan exceeded my commit ranking yet? I can't tell you that until I see him play a game. I mean, just being a starter doesn't mean that you're you're a great player or that you've exceeded my commit ranking. Now, if he goes out there and plays good football, absolutely he will because uh, I never viewed him as a starting caliber player at Notre Dame. So if he earns that job and goes out there and plays like a starting caliber player at Notre Dame, then absolutely, absolutely he'll have exceeded my commit ranking. But as of right now, no, he has not. Sean Kelly, who will be the number two nickel? That is going to be Clarence Lewis. I got it right. Clarence Lewis will be the number two nickel. Ryan, I'm going to pull a question up right now because I my eyes keep going to it, and it's distracting the heck out of me because it's, it's a funny question. And then who it's from. It's from Shaquille Oatmeal. Aunt Jemima or Mrs. Butterworth? Uh, neither. I, I think my wife buys the Meyer brand. But growing up as a kid, it was Mrs. Butterworth. That's what my mom bought when we were a kid, is, is Mrs. Now she, I think she would buy Aunt Jemima pancakes at time, but the syrup. Didn't Aunt Jemima also make a pancake, not just the syrup, I believe? 
So I think she'd like buy Aunt Jemima pancakes. I remember having that, but I, the syrup was always Mrs. Butterworth's. So yeah, that's my answer. Sean Kelly, can Greathouse get on the field as an outside guy this year, or will he get his reps in the slot? As of right now, he's a slot guy. But honestly, I would start having him play outside. I, okay, you don't want to overreact to the receivers, but I also think that there can be a time where it's like, okay, what can I do to motivate them? What can I do to push them a little bit? And for me, I look at them and I say, okay, maybe if I put this kid over here and letting this work, number one, you want to see what he can do. And then number two, you look at it and say, okay, maybe this motivates those guys a little bit to say, you, you can't just rest on your laurels. You can't just, hey, I'm a veteran. I got a starting job, you know, seat at the table. No, you got to play better. And with Jaden playing as well as he is in the slot, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe getting him a little bit of work outside, to be honest with you. But it would mainly be because of how well he's playing. Pete Weber says, which learning receiver has the most complete route tree up to this point? It's probably Jaden Greathouse. Seriously. He's a freshman, but I'd say probably Jaden Greathouse. Omar Austin asks, uh, did last night's practice make you con- more concerned about Fisher's weight loss in regards to power? No, it didn't. I mean, that's not really going to be an issue for me until we get to games. I need to see what it's like in games. That's going to be the that's going to be the big thing. I, I think, you know, I, I talked about Blake Fisher's weight loss, but I, I don't. I think maybe we're we, we might be making a little bit too much of a deal of it. It's something that maybe concerns me as far as. Is he going to be able to dominate the way that I think he's capable of dominating? But I'm not worried about him being a good player or not. It's just, will he make the jump that I think he's capable of making? Or is he just going to be kind of a, a more fundamentally sound version of what he was last year? That's that's the that's the concern. But it's not going to be a thing where all of a sudden he's getting tossed. He's Again, he's still 310 pounds. That's st- as long as he's actually 310 pounds, I'm good. I'm good. A T Smith 0323. Serious question. Ices or milkshakes? It depends on where I'm at and what mood I'm in. Um, if I'm in the mood for something kind of soothing, then I get a milkshake. If I'm in the mood for something sweet, then I get an icy. So it just depends on and, and then also what's available. So yeah, that's that's my answer. Archer four five two. The SEC coaches have been arm in arm and being vocal, very vocal about hating conference realignment, even though their conference kicked off the biggest moves. Did Sankey send a memo for United Front? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I'd like to think that they're just being honest, but I mean, I I don't know. I would hope that they believe that and that they're against that and they're speaking out against it. I, I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, they kicked it off to a degree, but I would say that, that that it's not like Texas and Oklahoma got stolen from the Big 12 and or or coerced against their will to go to the SEC. They sought the SEC out, I believe. So, you know, and the SEC sought us a chance to, to, to grow. I, I don't know that the SEC is in a hurry to grow beyond it, and I think that might be part of the thing. And And there's a concern if you're the SEC – that if the Big Ten makes too many moves, you almost might feel forced to make another move. So you're trying to maybe push back against it now. That could be maybe something that we could we could be seeing as well, in my opinion. And that would probably be something that's somewhat directed from the top down. James Ingles, so uh, are they in the film room today? Yeah, I mean, you'll get treatment today. You'll be in the film room a lot. You know, you also want to make sure they maybe get away a little bit, you know, get them away from, from everything and and let them get some rest, but yeah, film room time, training, training table time, uh, 
training room time. You'll probably get a workout in today. Uh, although you, you probably don't want it to be like a butt kicking workout, but you probably get like a little workout in today because you don't want them to stay standing around. But uh, yeah, I, being away from practice is obviously is the key or being away from the, the running and the banging is, is something that's going to let them get some rest as, as well. Beef eater ND08. Brian, if your spirit animal were a legendary 60 minutes journalist, would you be Morty safer? Mike Wallace, Harry Reasoner, Ed Bradley, or Aaron, Andy Rooney? I don't even know who, I don't know who Harry Reasoner is. I don't know who Morty safer is. It definitely wouldn't be Mike Wallace. It, I have, I know who Ed Bradley and Andy Rooney are, but I have no clue how my spirit animal would relate to them. And the other thing is, wouldn't my spirit animal be an animal or does it not work that way? I'm not quite sure how that works, but yeah, anyway. All right, let's get to the next one. Uh, is uh, Pat Ray Holcroft, is there any word on which players will be returning kickoff, kickoffs or punts? I mean, we've seen guys doing it, but. I don't know who's going to be the guy. We see Chris Tyree doing it. We see Jane Greathouse doing it. Jane Mickey doing it. Jadarian Price doing it. I don't know who the main guy is going to be yet. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure who that's going to be. Reza asks, as a coach, at what point in camp do you make conclusions about this is my guy at a starting position? Does it often go to the very end? It, it Reza, this is a good question. It's going to depend on the kid, and it's going to depend on the circumstances coming in. Like, for example, last year, you know, going into fall camp, there was an expectation that it was going to be Tyler Buckner as a starter. So the minute you feel he's met certain markers of, hey, I need to see these doing this, doing this, then you then you end it. Uh, when one guy is significantly better than another guy, you end it sooner rather than later. The only time you really go to the end is if there's one or two scenarios. Number one is it's just a legit battle. And they're both playing great or they're both struggling a little bit. And then the other one is where, and this is where I would be, is you have a older player that does the job but isn't great. And you have a younger player that's really good but is still learning. You're going to want to give that younger player a little bit more time to win the job than you will an older player. If the younger player's the better player, then you may end it a little quicker. And I guess you could add a third part is, if you feel like making the decision early could could maybe hurt a kid's confidence, you allow it to go on maybe a little bit longer and just start communicating him to him, you know, setting him up for it. You know, you just don't do it right away. You maybe set him up for it a little bit and and then also give him a, more chances to compete. So there's there's a lot of different ways that you can you can go at it, in my opinion. Shaquille Oatmeal, better Schwarzenegger movie, True Lies or Last Action Hero? True Lies for me. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Last Action Hero, to be honest with you. I, I don't like the premise. I just didn't think the execution was all that great. I thought True Lies was a pretty good movie. I did. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. Ray Holcraft, are there players on offense and defense or special teams that they have really that have really surprised you in terms of size, speed, and or uh, much better football players? Much better football players. I don't know if I would say much better football players. I think I think Brandon Vernon's a little bit more advanced physically than I thought he would be. I'm trying to think. Um, surprised you in terms of size, speed. I wouldn't say Charles Jagasaw surprised me, but I kind of feel like I had the same reaction Ryan did the first time he saw him. It just he's just so big, it does kind of catch you off guard a little bit. Like, good lord, that guy's a monster. Like, you know he's big, but you don't really appreciate it till you actually see it. 
I think that might be a little bit better way of, uh, of, of explaining that one. But yeah, he's a, he's a really, really big kid. Uh, size, speed, much better football players. I'd have to think about that one, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'd have to think about that one a little bit, right? Nobody really pops off my head. But I, you know, again, I, I thought a lot of these guys were already pretty good football players. I think this football team is going to be a pretty good football team. So, yeah, it's going to it's gonna take a lot for somebody to surprise me. You know, maybe like Jane Grant is a little bit more advanced than I thought, but it, it's not a surprise, especially since some of these guys we saw in the spring. Jay Clampton Investments. Brian, what are some things uh, coaches ha- can do to increase a player's compete level, or is it you either have it or you don't? Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, to a degree, you've got to have a little bit of that dog in you. But there's certainly things a coach can do to bring it out of you. I mean, some of it's just simple things like talking to a kid, right? Like, you know, you may find out some kid had a coach in high school or a Pop Warner coach or a a dad or a mom who just kind of beat out of him. Like, you can't be that way. You can't be that way. And you got to say, no, it's okay to be that way. Like, I want you to be that way. I want you to be that kind of guy. Some of it's technique. Some of it's weight room strength. Some of it's just... They don't know the expectation. Sometimes it's just they just don't have it. I mean, so it's a little bit of both. It, it really is. It's a little bit of both. Sam Tyrell, Brian, and what and what you've seen from Sneed, would you consider moving into Viper? Absolutely not. He's not even 220 pounds. No. Like, what you could do, Sam, is, is you could get into situations where in certain packages you line him off the edge to rush him in a certain package. Sure. And you can do that. And I think we will see some of that stuff, but as far as moving him to Viper where that's his position, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's no way that I would do that. In my opinion, he's just not big enough. He's not long enough. It's just not where his, where his strengths would be utilized on an every down basis. It's a situational thing is where he would be, in my opinion. But in certain situations, yes, you could use him there. Jason Smith, who decides on the schedule after a physical practice like yesterday? Coaches or strength coach? What is pretty much planned out already? Was was it pretty much planned out already before Bayless left? I would imagine that that some of it to a degree was planned out, which is why there was a day off already scheduled. Like So when I looked at the camp schedule this morning, today was our – or yesterday – Today was already scheduled as a day off. So they, they were already going to do this. When when you're a football coach and you're putting camp together, you know, you, hey, here's padded days. And you, you kind of know from experience, like, hey, this is about the time of camp when our guys start getting really heavy legged and, and they've got a lot of work. So, you know, this will be the practice where we may go uppers this particular day. And the reason that I think this was planned is because not only or do they have today off, but yesterday in practice, they didn't have pads on. They just had those little spider things, which means there was like no physicality going on yesterday or to, on on uh, would be the Monday practice. So that leads me to believe that this is um, a part of of what they're doing. And then they also have a big scrimmage plan coming up. So usually that stuff is kind of planned out. Now there will occasionally be Jason times where you've got to kind of play by ear and camp because our we're just not the pads just aren't popping enough. So we need to do something tomorrow. We weren't originally going to do this, but we're just, these kids are not playing with the intensity we need. We need to make a change to kind of force it into them. You may do something like that, or man, these kids are really getting after it and they're taking a ton of reps and they are, man, they're just flying around. We're looking at the GPS numbers. 
They're starting to get a little heavy leg. We need to maybe pull back a little bit tomorrow where we are originally going to you know, have a scrimmage, but maybe let's move that scrimmage to Saturday or something. So you, 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 you structure it out, you plan it out. This is the ramp up time. This is the pullback times. This is the, okay, now we need to make sure we have a day off there. That's all structured out. And then here's what we do on those days off. But you also have to kind of know your team and look at the the GPS numbers and, and watch them with your eyes. You see that, Hey, my position group is just the last two days is just dog tired. So then you got to get with the trainer, okay? What or, and the coach and say, okay, what are we doing? Do we need to, you know, get them maybe in some some extra treatment? Is is an ice bath going to help? Or, I mean, what are things we can do to push them through? Or, you know, can we pull back on them a little bit in this certain situation? So that's also part of it as well. So it's a little bit of both. It's a good question, Jason. Sam Tyrell also asked Brian, would you be shocked if Tyler Buckner starts for Alabama? No, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, that's the reason he went there. Tommy Reese did not recruit him to sit the bench. That doesn't mean Tyler's going to be given the job. But look, I I, I think Saint Tyler Buckner is a very talented quarterback. I, I he's got some things he's got to clean up. Certainly, he's got to not turn the ball over as much as he does. But we saw in the bowl game how dynamic Tyler Buckner can be against an SEC team. So, I mean, the kid had over 300 yards of total offense, threw for like 280 or 260, ran for over 80, had five touchdowns against an SEC team, led their name to 45 points without Michael Mayer. So I think the kid's very talented. He's a very good quarterback. He's got to clean up on the interceptions, get more comfortable with the offense, and just you know, make some little tweaks so he can be a little bit more consistent. But would I be shocked if he starts? No, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, would I Would I predict it right now? I have no idea. No idea. I really don't know. Irish Mills, 540. Do you think Notre Dame should expand their stadium to match or be close to the Michigan's, Ohio State's, and Penn State's in the Midwest or be closer to 100,000 seat seating? Do you think it matters and where? Notre Dame should never go to a 100,000 seat stadium. They wouldn't fill it. Look, look, there's a like Penn State is the state school in the middle of a big state, right? And, and Ohio State is literally right in the middle of a, a, a much bigger state than Indiana. And it's a state school. It just, it's a different situation. So you look at like Pennsylvania, you look at Ohio, they got almost 12 million people in their state. You look at the state of Pennsylvania, they have 13 million people in their state. And then you look at Indiana and they have 6.8 million people in their state. So there's 5 million fewer people than the state of Ohio. And there's see about six, a little over 6 million fewer people in the state of Indiana relative to those two states, right? So that alone is, means there's a lot fewer people to draw from, okay? That's number one. I'm curious what Michigan's population is as well. Michigan's population is 10 million. So there's 3.2 million less than the state of Michigan. And so you don't have the base to draw from, you're in a different, you're in a far northern part of the state, which means there's parts of your state that are a little tougher to get to. And, uh, you know, that factors into it as well. And then the other thing, too, is Notre Dame is a different animal. I've talked about this. Ohio State, we looked at this the other day. Do you all remember what the, um, what the, the enrollment was for Ohio State University? It's, it's I thought it was up to like 50,000 or something crazy. It's 66,000. And the on the actual on campus enrollment is let me just find it here. So the Columbus campus has about sixty two thousand. This it's the sixty seven number is for all the branches in the state. But you got sixty two thousand students there, which means 
you're you're producing tens of thousands of graduates all the time. Now, not all those kids go through. Notre Dame has like eight or nine thousand students, which means you're producing a lot of more alums. And also, with state schools, you have a tendency, at least has been my experience, where people that go to a state school also tend to kind of stay around there. So the the alums tend to be a little closer by where Notre Dame alums go all over the place. That's one factor. The other factor is just the nature of the Notre Dame fan base is it tends to be a lot more spread out. So uh, for producing tens of thousands fewer alums every year, you're in a state with between five to five to seven thousand seven million fewer people than Ohio and Pennsylvania. So there's less fans to draw from. And then, of course, your fan base, the nature of your fan base is to be spread out. It would be very, very difficult for Notre Dame to, in my opinion, sell out their stadiums week after week after week. And here's the other thing. When you play in Ohio State like this, there's it's a guarantee that there's going to be more Ohio State fans now because most Ohio State fans live closer to you than most Notre Dame fans. Think about that just because of the way that the spread out nature of Notre Dame fans. So that would also mean there'd be way more red in my opinion, because there's, there's only a certain number of Notre Dame fans that you're going to have. Now there are things Notre Dame could do to maybe help fix that problem. And to, to maybe help fix the the home attendance in certain situations, make, you know, be more outreach to the local community, things like that. But it's not going to be like, okay, now all of a sudden you can sell out a hundred thousand seat stadium. It just, it's just, it's just not going to, there's so many different dynamic graph. Like, well, Notre Dame's just as popular as Ohio state. It's not about that. It, it, it's not, you know, they're just as popular as Penn state. Well, it, it's not about that. It's about where are your fans? Most Ohio state fans are concentrated in this area. Most Penn state fans are concentrated in this area. Notre Dame fans are spread out. So if Notre Dame has fans all over the country, well, a lot of those are going to be like, so for example, if I, when I was growing up, you know, with, with my family's income, if we lived in Texas, we'd have had no chance to go to a Notre Dame game. None. I never went to one when I was a kid because it just seemed a lot further away. But it just you couldn't afford it, right? I mean, I could afford driving an hour and a half to, you know, Columbus or Texas if I lived in those areas, right? So it's just because they're spread out, it's like, like there's just like, all Notre Dame fans are wealthy. No, we're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not. We can't all just hop on planes, especially nowadays, and fly to South Bend every home game. So all those things factor into it. There's just a lot of reasons – um, that that go into why Notre Dame could never consistently sell out a hundred thousand seat stadium. They just they couldn't. It just would be too it'd be too um, too challenging, in my opinion. Sam Tyrell, uh, who was the better high school football player, Vince or Ryan? I have no idea. I mean, Vince would probably say Ryan, and Ryan would say Ryan because Ryan is always going to say Ryan, and Vince is too humble to say he was. So uh, I have no clue. I, n- I didn't see either one of those guys play high school football. So I, I have no idea. But um, yeah, Ryan says it's him. <laughs> Ryan says he was, which is, and as I see, I nailed it. I know my team. Vince just said Ryan and Ryan said Ryan. So uh, I guess that's, I guess that would be the answer. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, last couple of questions from Gideon Rosa. Who is the comp for Josh? If Josh Burnham hits a ceiling. Oh boy. Um Huh. I'd have to think about that one. 
I'd have to think about that one. I'm not sure. Ryan, do you have a do you have a, a comp that if Josh Burnham hits a ceiling, who'd be a good comp? I, I I'd have to, usually I have to put a lot of thought. Ryan and I usually put a lot of thought and back and forth into comps because neither of us are necessarily. It's just not our first reaction to it. But I, I don't know. I said Clay Matthews. They both have blonde hair. They're both Caucasian. They're both edge rushers. Um, you know, I, I I mean I if if that's the comp, Ryan, and he ends up being like Clay Matthews, I'll take that. Clay Matthews is pretty good. <laughs> He's a pretty good player. So I'll take that. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I just, I just know he's really talented and, and I hope he can build like, cause again, like I'm talking about overreacting, like last night, Josh Burnham was awesome. Christian Gray was awesome, but guess what? Like a buddy of mine asked me, uh, do you think Christian Gray could challenge starting job? Another guy asked me more normal question. Do you think he could challenge, you know, for the number three cornerback job? That's a fair question. Somebody else asked me, can he challenge for a starting job? That's an overreaction to a great night. Uh, Josh Burnham starting Viper. If that's your hey, he's going to have ten sacks. If that's your takeaway, that's an overreaction. But is it? But to say, oh boy, if he can build on this, could he be a really important part to this defensive end rotation? Absolutely, because he's incredibly talented. There's no doubt about it. All right, looks like we have one more question, and we're going to get out of here from Ray Holcroft. When choosing a starting player, such as the on the line, is it strictly the position coach, or is they selecting a sort of more collaborative effort between position coach and other coaches? It depends. My guess on this current Notre Dame team is that it would be the position coach. I don't know that Jared Parker is in a position where he would want to tell Joe Rudolph what to do. Now, if he was adamant, like I'm sure if he believed something, would he would he have a say in it? Sure. Can Marcus Freeman say, hey, look, I know this is what you want, but this is what I want? Sure. But I think part of building a relationship is to trust your assistant coaches. And if you're going to have those conversations, you have them now and through camp and, hey, I really want to see Billy today. Let's get Billy some work with the ones. I want to see what he can do and that kind of thing. You can say those things and and, and go there as a, as, a, as a coordinator. And hopefully when Billy gets those couple days, he steps up and plays well or it's a tight end or whatever the case may be. You can have those type of moments where you try to manipulate that way. But you, you're not often going to see a coach just say, play this guy when he's still kind of new at the job. Now, Jared Parker goes out there in the next two, three years, he's ripping it up and his deep offense is great and he's more in control and he's kind of established that I'm the guy here. Then there may be more room to kind of make that sort of, this is what I want type of way. And then the other part of it is just some coordinators are just, just not built that way. I don't know if Jared Parker is or is not. I have no idea. Some coordinators say, look, I, I hired this guy for a reason and I trust him and I'm going to, you know, he's with them every day and I'm going to trust that this is what he sees. Others are more micromanagers, and they're just kind of that way. This is what I want, and this is what I think. This is what we're going to do. It just depends on the kid. I would imagine Jared Parker is going to be a little bit more – or, I mean, the coach, not the kid. I'd imagine Jared Parker is going to be a little bit more um, trusting his coaches to, to, to do that, in my opinion, uh, would be my guess at that point in time. So that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you all so much for being with me today. I appreciated it. Two solo shows in a row. So hopefully we'll, we'll get, uh, we'll see what we got planned for tomorrow. We're going to have some fun tomorrow. And uh, of course, Friday will be the mailbag, right? And I'll be on the mailbag on Friday. So definitely want to check that out as well. And so I appreciate y'all being with me today, folks. Hit that like button, subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at boards.archbreakdown.com. Help us get to, and then blow past our goals for the season. We are about three people away, assuming that we haven't had anybody's memberships expire since last night. 
Uh, so definitely go check that out at boards.archbreakdown.com. If you've ever thought about it, I promise you, you'll want to sign up. You'll enjoy it. And you will, uh, again, great rate. Obviously, it's the cheapest that you're going to find out there for a normal rate. It's not one where you sign up for cheap now and then we spend more next year. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff planned during the season that you're going to be part of. And it's just great conversation with a lot of great people. So definitely check that out as well at boards.archbreakdown.com. Six o'clock tonight, everybody. IB Nation Sports Talk. Vince, are you still in the chat? Are you going to be on uh, Sports Talk tonight with uh, Sean and uh, tonight? I'm not sure if it's Vince and Sean or if it's going to be Sean and Jesse. I'm not quite sure of uh, of who that's going to be tonight, but you will have IB Nation Sports Talk at 6 o'clock. Uh, and then tomorrow, remember, it's, it's Vince and Jesse. That's right, because Sean is going to the Bruce Springsteen concert. It just re- popped in his, my, my head as soon as he said that. Uh, so it'll be Vince and Jesse tonight, tomorrow night. Remember, it's just the IB or it's just the, the mailbag. No more Friday night shows either uh, as well. So have a great rest of your day, everybody. We'll talk to you again here very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.